Welcome to the Brian Thomas Crop Podcast. My name is Brian Thomas Crop, and I believe that stories have a tremendous power for good. And so I write them and I enjoy sharing them with you. Uh, if you are new to the podcast, uh, how uh, we do this is uh, I read a chapter from uh, one of my books and then uh, talk about it on the other side of that chapter. Uh, sometimes there are some Easter eggs, some hidden personal things that are in there that may be of interest to you, uh, things about uh, me or my family or my past or things like that, which, boy, that sounds scandalous. It is not scandalous at all. It's it's fine. It's good. Glad you're here. Uh, we're going to read uh, a chapter from my first novel, which is called Showdown in the Yukon. And uh, right now, personally, I am wrestling through uh, rewrites to uh, the sequel to this book. And I hope to have that out before the end of this year. Hopefully. We'll see. We're about a quarter, well, yeah, about a third way through all that. So uh, we're going to get to uh, chapter seven of Showdown in the Yukon. Uh, but first, I want you to hear from this week's sponsors. I also wanted to let you know that Sabrina Cubbins and Mr. Alexander's Pottery Palace is now out in audiobook form. If you listen to the chapters as they came out on this podcast, but would like them all without all of my commentary and all that stuff, uh, then you can just swing over to my author page on Amazon or check them out at audible.com and you can get your very own copy of the audiobook version of Sabrina Cubbins and Mr. Alexander's Pottery Palace. Uh, there's an audio book too there, uh, Fish Tales. You can grab that too. Uh, if nothing else, you can let other people know if they are more of uh, audiobook people that it's there. You can also leave a review over there on Amazon or Audible as well. That would be much appreciated too. Well, enough of me talking about that. Now on to this week's chapter. Chapter 7 The wagon bumped, jumped, and wobbled along the uneven terrain, making it impossible for Monterey to get settled. He always prided himself on taking each situation as it came without complaint, but after more than a few miles, the unworn wagon path tested his limits. So Monterey did his best to take his mind off his aches and pains by staring at the passing scenery. It had been years since Monterey had stepped even a foot outside Good and Gulch, and he had forgotten how naturally grand everything was. Off in the distance, a jagged line of mountains stretched out in their majesty. Giant clouds billowed and sailed across the sky, providing sporadic relief from the sun's anger. Hour followed hour as the quartet rumbled along in silence. In that time, the terrain transitioned from picturesque to brutal as the sun sank to paint the sky in violets and reds. Weary with boredom, Monterey did what he could to wedge himself tightly into a corner of the wagon to get whatever shut-eye he could afford. As he drifted off, he realized this was already feeling more and more like a job and less and less like an adventure. Monterey woke up from his nap as the wagon jostled him even more violently. He looked out. The wagons were closer and the sky had taken on a mood Monterey did not appreciate. Storms were not frequent in Good and Gulch, but when they came, they could prove deadly. A bolt of lightning flashed somewhere inside the clouds giving a hint of the downpour they had in store. The air temperature plummeted as the wind rippled the wagon's covering. In the west, the orange sun was more than halfway gone. 
Are we going to shelter somewhere soon? Monterey asked, leaning his head out the front of the canopy. Those clouds are starting to look mean. You're afraid of a little water? Mrs. Finch teased. No, ma'am, Monterey said, but that doesn't look like a little water. If you spy a suitable locale for spending the night, I assure you we'll stop, Max said, gripping the reins tightly. I'm earnestly hoping we bed down before these horses get spooked. It was at that very moment the first large raindrop slapped the top of Monterey's head. The low rumble of distant thunder accompanied it. Well, I've never been much for hoping, Monterey said, but I'll keep an eye out. On and on the wagon ventured. The raindrops, while sizable, were not yet enough to cause problems. Mrs. Finch, would you like to climb in the back? Monterey asked. No need you getting soaked. Mr. Denvers, you may think me frail, but I assure you I am not. If I get ill, I get ill. I didn't travel this far, running scared from every little inconvenience. I've never been delicate, and I don't intend to be treated as such. Monterey shook his head and gathered himself back into the wagon proper. His cheeks were hot with resentment. Paps may not have treated him well, but it was better than this shrew. Monterey knew this was going to be a very, very long trip if he and Mrs. Finch did not find some common ground, and soon. His eyes caught Lucy's, and she smiled slightly. She prides herself in her grit. Monterey nodded, and a brilliant white web of lightning spread out on the bottom of the thunderheads. A bone-rattling bang of thunder signaled the start of the downpour. Monterey wondered if the storm wanted to test Mrs. Finch's resolve. I see just the place. Mac pointed off with one hand while pulling hard on the horse's reins. Monterey squinted to see where Mac pointed, but it was hard to make out through the curtain of water. He could make out a small line of trees not more than a hundred yards off. Mac wrestled the horses in that direction, and yard by yard the wagon, dripping and caked with mud, finally came to rest under the branches of the trees. The rain picked up in intensity. I suppose now would be a good time to have a bite to eat? Monterey smiled. That does sound refreshing, especially considering the circumstances, said Mac, hopping down from the driver's seat and into the muddy earth. Mrs. Finch now finally allowed herself into the wagon, saying there was no need to get wet if they weren't moving. Monterey sighed to himself and began to rummage through the bags and blankets for anything that might look like a container of food. I packed it right over here, I think, Lucy said, joining in the search. Oh, dear, she said eventually. What is it? Mrs. Finch asked. It's not here. Lucy said. What do you mean it's not here? Monterey asked, stopping his search. I mean, she pulled away one or two bags to reveal a broken piece in the floor of the wagon bed. It's not here. It must have slipped out somewhere. How did that hole get there? Monterey asked. Was it there when we started? It certainly was not, said Mrs. Finch. But she started and then stopped. Was this what the livery manager was supposed to fix, Mother? Lucy asked. Monterey noticed that Mrs. Finch's face turned red and her jaw set hard. The bed had gotten damaged on the way just before we got to wherever it was we acquired you, Lucy told Monterey. The man was to fix it. It's clear now he did not. So all the food is gone, Monterey asked. All the food is gone, Lucy said. And the money for the repair, lamented Mrs. Finch. Why I allowed you to talk us into stopping there I'll never know, she scowled at Mac. Everyone began voicing possible solutions to the situation. The loss of rations, plus the rain, plus the time of day, provided a dizzying amount of possibilities. Eventually, the group fell silent. One by one, each member of the traveling party began to realize something peculiar about their current situation. Lucy was the first to speak, but they were all about to say it. Where has Mr. Sutherland gotten himself to? Where indeed? 
Monterey poked his head out of both ends of the wagon, and all he could see was rain and trees. He couldn't imagine Mac abandoning them out here. Even if he was going to cheat on them, this was way off the mark. Monterey thought some more. He had heard about bands of outlaws who had hideouts in desolate places like this. He wondered if Mac had run into some such gang, and now they would be picked off one at a time. What's that? Lucy pointed out the rear of the wagon. Monterey spun his head where she was looking. Sure enough, there was a yellowish glow just above the trees. You think it's maybe a fire caused by a lightning strike? Monterey asked. Have you ever seen lightning start a fire in the rain? Mrs. Finch asked. He had not, but to be fair, he hadn't seen lightning start a fire ever. Should we go check it out? It could be a house. Could be food, Lucy said. It could be outlaws, Mrs. Finch said. I think it's a great opportunity for our thief here to earn his keep. He wants to look out for the good of the women folk. Why don't you go over there and see what you can see, she said, turning to Monterey. I don't feel good about leaving you, and he began. We can take care of ourselves for the moment of time you'll be gone. Button up your coat and get going, thief. Monterey did as ordered, mashed a wide-brimmed hat on his head, and climbed out of the wagon into the rain. As he walked toward the glow, he thought he noticed the rain starting to let up. He tried to walk as carefully as he could in the slippery mud. With all its wet and sticky sounds, the mud made him a bit noisy as he walked. Monterey realized this was an issue in sneaking up on whoever caused that glow. The closer he got, the lighter the rain fell. Also the closer he got, the more singing he heard. It was quiet at first, and then Monterey could make out a very rough, very gruff, very out-of-tune voice singing loud and free. Sneaking as silently as he could up to a large boulder, Monterey took off his hat and raised his head till he could barely see beyond it. Not more than twenty feet away from where he hid, a roaring fire blazed away while the singer stirred a pot of something. The smell reached Monterey, and his stomach growled. Monterey grabbed his gut quickly, but it seemed the singer had not heard it. Spread over the fire and tied to some trees was a large canvas square apparently for shade in the day and shelter from rain that night. A man by himself had to be friendly enough. Monterey stood to introduce himself when he saw three horses tied up just on the other side of the fire. Three horses, Monterey thought, and only one man. That was the exact moment a grain sack slipped over Monterey's head and turned everything black. So I'll be honest with you, I've never ridden by a covered wagon, I've never repaired a covered wagon, and I don't know at the speed at which a covered wagon goes, would it actually be likely that you would lose your lunch out of the hole in the bottom of it and not know that you would lost it? I don't know. I have no idea, but it's in the story. So there you go. Um, not a lot of Easter eggs actually in this chapter. Uh, so I did, uh, well, every once in a while somebody asks, you know, how do you, uh, since you have four kids and a wife and a job and all the things, how do you find time to write uh, stories? Like how does, how does this happen? And honestly, uh, the whole reason that I got into uh, writing in the first place was sort of out of a mental health thing. Um, uh, again, that sounds scandalous. And it's not. It's fine. Uh, in college, I started uh, writing uh, plays 
and uh, had different ideas for plays and whatnot and wrote uh, skits and things for church and other things over the course of time. And when I started working at the church that I currently work at, that was I was sort of part of the job. Uh, it was to build an arts uh, team that involved drama and video and, and a variety of other things. And so I write scripts for them. And then as things grew and got successful and uh, other people came around who could do those things better than I could, um, I stopped and uh, I had still all these things that I wanted to write i didn't have an outlet and uh who wants it takes a lot of effort to uh, get a play done and it's a it's a real team effort so um i thought well the next thing i could do is make film no films also takes a lot of effort and that's a team project too so i could i can't draw books i'll write books that's that's what i will do uh and it was it was actually turning into a thing of uh, me not writing was starting me to get kind of bitter towards life and bitter towards uh, uh, my wife and some other things like you're keeping me from doing this thing that really has no bearing on anything. Um, so uh, it started just out of out of just a way to get the creativity uh, out. Um, I spend like an hour, hour and a half uh, most mornings just writing and um, get uh, anywhere from um, I'd say a thousand to fifteen hundred words done in that time, which is about a chapter or so, and uh, just the progress of getting things done has been helpful. So that's what I've done: is just carved out just about an hour every day and just kind of crank things out and have fun doing it that way. And um, I'm a much happier person. I think there's a there's a verse in the book of Ecclesiastes that says, you know, the end of a thing is not nearly as great as the doing of the work. And so um, I do enjoy sharing the stories with you. That is part of the reason that I uh, write the stories, but a lot of it is just getting it out and writing it and just the joy of telling a story is just fun. So uh, that's sort of uh, what goes on on the behind the scenes of, of putting a book together. It's just at some point you got to figure out when am I going to make the time to write? And it doesn't usually conveniently fit into things. You kind of have to calendar that out. But uh, I hope you are enjoying uh, Showdown in the Yukon if you haven't had a chance to read it before. And if you uh, have or would like to get a copy, um, I guess if you have, if you go back to Amazon and leave a review, that would be uh, handy so more people can find the book. If you haven't, you can swing over to Amazon, get a copy, read the whole thing, it's good, and then you can leave a review there as well. Uh, also, uh, if you are enjoying the podcast, swing over to wherever you're listening to this on their uh, big library page and leave a rating and review that helps other people find out about the podcast as well. But even more importantly, if you're not a part of my writers group, I would enjoy getting to connect with you and uh, get to know you just a little bit better. So you can go over to uh, my website and all the links for these things are in the description for this show uh, but I'd love to get to know you you, you sign up uh, for uh, things and you find out a little bit more about uh, what's going on with me and the fam but also 
uh, new releases and how to be part of early advanced copies of books and those kinds of things. And in exchange, uh, I send you a story. So uh, check that out. I uh, hope that you have a great week and I will uh, see you next time.